it's very important just to share testimonies and stories every once in a while of the reality of the working of the gospel and um, just the stuff that we're about in, in our own lives. And so I was just chatting with Michael over a coffee a while ago, and he mentioned some things, and I thought, you know, let's just share that with the, the greater community, and, and we want to make a habit of, of these kinds of things, of just sharing the reality of, of God working in our lives. So I'm not going to say too much. Michael, you can uh, share, and I'm looking forward to, to hearing. Just make it really good, okay? Okay, I'll try. And so I do promise that what I am going to say, I plan to say before coming here today, it's kind of funny, before, and before Minda shared what she shared, before the worship, I had already planned to say all this, I promise. I, I'm not making this up as I go. So maybe a little bit about myself and my background and my wife's background. So I'm married to Jamie. We've been married for almost 12 years, uh, coming up here in July. Um, we were both raised in church. We were both raised, probably like most people here, uh, you know, we were raised, we, we, were, we knew all the Bible verses. We, we knew everything. We were brought up in good families who loved God, who loved us. So it was, it was a, we had a very good upbringing, right? Um, and so all the, all the scriptures that you hear, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, um, the, the scriptures about, um, you know, God, knows the plans he has for us. All those, all those scriptures, those are things that we came up knowing, believing, uh, and it was, it was part of who we were. So, of course, when you face adversity in life, it, those are the things that come to mind, and that gets you through it, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, <laughs> I was being sar- somewhat sarcastic there. I mean, it, 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 it does to a certain degree, but then there's, there are, all un- I'm sure we're not alone, you face things in life that are just, that don't make any sense. Um, you can tell God's working on me because I don't cry. I don't get emotional. You can ask my wife about this. But So, you know, you, you as a Christian, as a um, man, as, as a human being, you, you want to believe it, that, you, you know, God, I can trust in you. I want to trust in you. So you say, God, I trust you, and then my brother-in-law dies of substance abuse. You say, God, where were you? How can I trust you? I want to trust you. I, I'm, I'm involved in a church, in a body, and in the very body that you, where you placed me destroys me. How can I trust you? I want to trust you, but for some strange reason, you take a dear friend in a tragic accident, take her out of our lives. I want to trust you, and my sweet cousin ends up with a really, really bad diagnosis of cancer, she throws her whole life into, into trusting God, faith in God, believing for healing, and she's dead in, in 10 months. Five kids. So I'm not saying this to, to bring everybody down, but it's like th- these are real things. And it's like, you know, you, you, we're not, I'm not alone. We're not alone, the stuff that we've gone through. But it's like, you know, you, you just, you want to be able to trust God. I really do. But in the end, I found myself, not only did I not trust him, I 
found myself even being angry, upset with him, which was an awful, awful place. I remember chatting with Jamie one night saying, I, I am honestly angry at God, and I don't want to be there. I don't like this. So with that behind us, now I, I, I'll talk about the last six months or so, I would say, um, God, I think, God, no, I think, God has really started to work in my life, and I think in Jamie's life as well. Um, I think that the, uh, the for early uh, series, the early sermons here about healing, um, I, I remember one time, Paul, you read something, some book, an excerpt from some book, and I was like, I'm not a very uh, expressive guy, so I, I wasn't doing this it, literally, but in my, in my chair, I was like screaming, yes, 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 because that's exactly where I was. And it's just that, that feeling like you're just running into a wall, and it's a wall that God built. And it's a wall to stop you from whatever, you know, blessings you think you deserve or you have coming to you. So, you know, over the last five, six months, a uh, large part, I think, uh, is the relationships we've built here, the, the words that we've heard here, the words that people have spoken into our lives uh, since we've been here. Um, God has really started to, to heal my heart. I believe he's started to heal my wife's heart. And change our posture towards him to be one, you know, one less of, God, where were you? Uh, how can I trust you to, to want to just to acknowledge God is good? And it's, it's a really hard thing to, really hard thing to do when you've, when you've faced um, some of the things that we've faced. Uh, and and we're, to, to get to where we want to be, we, we need that trust, and we, and we lost it. So, Maybe just to, to bring, it, bring it around to, to give a, a tangible example of how God is, one way God has started to build, build my trust in him. A while back I was um, working at home, and so I am handy, kind of. Um, I lack certain skills that make home projects easy, so I tend to get things done just it takes a long time, and I go around about the wrong way most of the time. So I was doing something, and I was just like at my wits end. It was a Sunday, and part of it was I wanted to get done to get to church, and I was just, I didn't want to leave it, because I knew if I left it, it would be months, if not years, before it was done, and so I just needed to get it done, and I was, I was honestly like about to lose it. I was about to start ripping the ceiling out of my kitchen where I was trying to replace the light, and I just sat down on my, I sat down on my couch, and I said, I'm, I'm just going to take five minutes. I'm going to pray. And I'm not an overly spiritual person, so I'm not the type of person that, like, like prays in, like, the, the little instances like that in my life. That's just not, I guess, who I am. Maybe it's because I believe, I've believed in the lie that God isn't good, that, God, that I can't trust God. And so I sat down, I just prayed, I said, God, I just need clarity. I just need to see what to do here. As stupid as it is, this light is going to be maybe the end of my salvation. Um, and, and so I sat there, I got up, I just felt peace, got up, and I looked at it, and everything started to make sense. All the pieces made sense, and I was able to get it done. Not only was I able to get it done, I made it to church with like three minutes to spare. So it was a great, it was a, it was a great, just like a real experience, as silly as it is, it was a real experience. So then that service we were singing, what a wonderful name it is. And so, you know, I was, I was 
singing and praising and thinking and and you know I was just when it got to what a powerful name it is I, I that I was like yeah what a powerful name it is in the name of Jesus I was able to figure out that light and again I mentioned a second ago I'm not an overly spiritual person so I don't like I don't like sense God speaking to me very often if ever um, but in that moment God said if I care about that what what are you worried about how can you not trust me if I'm if I care about that little detail so that's my testimony I, uh, I, I think that God is really doing good things in this church at least he's doing good things in my life through this church so um, I appreciate the work I appreciate the words and I appreciate the time thanks That is so cool, man. So uh, it is Jesus who does that. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that we all play a part in the, what Jesus is building. And, you know, a few months ago, the idea of Border City Church didn't exist in any kind of tangible way. But God began speaking to people and, you know, obviously myself, ourselves included, and was preparing people. But uh, I think that God knew of and other people and knew exactly where they were and wanted to reach out and begin to do exactly what Michael just described. Shift the focus to realizing that essential thing that God is good. W circumstances aren't always good. Are we aware of that? And I walk with Jesus and I go through some tough circumstances sometimes. And so my revelation of who Jesus is in the midst of those actually helped me through them and he wants to be good. It's when I don't know that he's good, I turn my heart away from him, and he can't lead me through them. But he leads us through into good things. And, uh, and so, that I, so we're going to talk today about this idea of the gospel to the poor, healing the brokenhearted, liberating the captives, appointing them, but they become rebuilders of waste places. And the first thing, as you probably well know by now, is the healing of the heart. It is the foundation upon which everything is built. And I believe Michael will be rebuilding other ruins in other people's lives in the days to come through the gifts that God has given him, that those will come to the surface, uh, and Jamie as well, and many in this room. Um, but let's just kind of take note of how that works. He starts with the heart. Everything flows out of the heart. Um, so that, that's so exciting. We're going to talk just now, just if I could take a few minutes, to talk about developing followers of Jesus. So as you know, we've been talking about uh, the values of, of the church and taking time on the front end as this church is being planted to clearly articulate what are the values upon which Hopefully, Jesus is building this church, the values of his kingdom, and um, there are many things that, that one could say are the values of the kingdom, but we need to be able to say some of the essentials of how the future of what God's doing through this local church, how, how they're happening, and, and so we've talked about the centrality of Jesus, we've talked about community, we've talked about authenticity, we've talked about honor, we've talked about relationship with God, and um, I'm probably forgetting some. Today, I want to just dive into this idea of developing followers of Jesus, 
Some people may call it disciples. So however you want to look, that's the same idea, a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus, same, same concept. Developing followers of Jesus is a value. Um, in other words, this idea of people being healed in their heart and being liberated and eventually them becoming an empowered rebuilder of ruins in other people's lives and being an agent of transformation, that is, that process is what discipleship looks like. So how many of you have ever heard of the Apostle Peter in the Bible? So this guy uh, who followed Jesus, and uh, we find him at one point in his life, in this book of the book of Acts, we find him standing up on the day of Pentecost, right after Jesus has ascended, and he is heralding for the first time ever since Jesus has left this earth in bodily form, heralding the gospel in front of all sorts of cultures and creeds and uh, a powerful, powerful presentation of the gospel where people actually are coming and saying, how can we get saved? And I have yet once, I don't think, have ever preached a message where somebody actually came to me saying that. So uh, this was obviously a powerful message. And uh, we find him a few chapters later, actually represents a few years later, but nonetheless, walking through the streets of Jerusalem, and people were bringing the sick out into the street so that as Peter would walk by, the shadow of Peter touching him, touching them, would, would bring healing into their, into their bodies. Um, how many of you would like to see that happening? So, uh, and, and we don't need to worship Peter. In fact, when he, one, when a person was healed, he actually said, don't glorify me. It's through, uh, through his name and faith in his name that this person has been made well. It's not about the, the individual, but it is about the idea of, of the glory of God manifesting through a person. Okay? I believe that the glory of God, increasingly, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you've already like shared for five minutes, so let's just continue. I believe God's purpose for Michael is for his glory to manifest in various ways through this man's life, in ways far beyond he could ever even imagine. Why do I have the, the audacity to say that? Do you think Peter, the smelly, irreverent, probably foul-mouthed fisherman, who was just getting by and serving on his dad's fishing boat, saw himself one day walking through the city of Nazar- I mean, of Jerusalem when his shadow healing the sick? Do you think that he was like, you know, this is, in terms of my, uh, my, my destiny, I know I'm fishing right now, but I'm going to, my five-point plan is to, you know, be preaching the God, you know. No, this, this, th- something about following Jesus transformed this dude's life. And uh, something about following Jesus has transformed my life. Uh, And I still want a whole lot more transformation, but I sure can stop here and say I am so grateful for literal transformation that I have seen thus far. And it's good, you know. I, I want more of it. And I'm seeing it in other people's lives. I want more of that. And so how does all that work? I think that if you look at Peter's life as an example, just to give four things of how, how this works, I think it's this. So how, did, how, did, how was Jesus involved in Peter's life? Why do we want to know this? Because how do we need to be discipled? How do we need to get from point A to point Z? Or, or B, for that matter. And, and secondarily, how do we ha- make a difference in other people's lives? Because I want you to know this. If you have authentically received Jesus and you can count yourself as a follower, 
It does not mean you're perfect, but you can say, today, my heart is following him. You automatically become qualified to help others. Because there are billions of people in this world who don't have that. And whatever it is that you have, authentically of Jesus, you also have authority to give it away. Sadly, there are many Christians, and this isn't to put a, a poo-poo on people. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not the greatest of expressions, but I hope you understand what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that does conjure in one's mind a, a strange image. <laughs> we don't want to poop on people. Anyways, <laughs> I don't want to poo-poo people or make them feel bad. But there are people who have once made a declaration of who Jesus is, but because of various things, and of which I have pure compassion of how a person can get to this place, they see themselves as a Christian, but they are not following Jesus. Tragedy of tragedies. Not wanting to like actually do the step of letting go of their faith and saying, I don't believe in him, but not able to really authentically and intimately follow him and hear him. So how did Jesus bring Peter through from where he was? At one point saying to this dude who no one could ever imagine being a leader and saying, follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. To a point that he actually became that with the same ministry that Jesus had flowing through him. I think one is personal and close input in relationship. In other words, there are moments that we find Peter and Jesus being in a tight-knit, close relationship where Jesus is speaking personally into his life. It's not theoretical. It's not en masse in a group setting. It's one-on-one, right? And, and maybe even in small group form. That's one way. That's one method. Another is teaching the word. In other words, hearing the, the teachings of Jesus, which Jesus would have poured over Peter in group contexts day after day after day for three and a half years. Je- Peter would have been absorbed in the doctrine of Jesus. And how many of you know the doctrine of Jesus is still being preached in the format that we're doing right now, uh, in a, in a, though it has been poo-pooed, by some, because the church has put all their eggs in the basket of preaching and teaching in church events, perhaps some, um, it is still a way that the same Jesus who led Peter is still building his church today. So that's the second thing. A third would be community. We, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a real sense in all four Gospels of community, that Jesus was building a community to where when Jesus ascended into heaven, there were 120-some disciples in the upper room in there together. Community, right? And then fourthly, I would say, activating into ministry. In other words, at some point, the baton needs to pass on some level to you. So activating. And and so Jesus had the 12 collect the fragments of fish and loaves as they were multiplied, you remember. And Later, he sent out the 12 two by two to go preach. And then later, he sent 70 out to preach and so on and so forth. So let's look into this. Two scriptures primarily that I want to look at is how are followers, Jesus, how are followers of Jesus developed? And then I want to uh, look at why do we do it? So how do we do it? And, and why, why do we do it? So the first is Matthew 28, which... I think is a key scripture of, of this whole concept of making disciples 
followers of Jesus. So turn with me if you can, if you have the scripture, if you have an app on your phone or, or on your iPad or whatever the case may be. Matthew chapter 28, one of my favorite portions of scripture, starting in verse 18 through verse 20. So this is where Jesus is leaving. He has finished his course here in the earth. He has now resurrected. He is appearing in a glorified state. He's like walking through walls. It's, it's, he's like, he's full on like Jesus, the resurrected king. And he's about to ascend into heaven. But before he does, he speaks these words that frame what it is that he's leaving behind in the earth. Now, if you have received Jesus, I want us to understand we are a part of what it is that he left behind in the earth. The moment you receive him. So this, these words that we hear of Jesus frame why we are here on this earth. Here they are. All, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Stop and ponder that. For those of you Old Testament scholars, Selah. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I absolutely love that portion of Scripture. Two things answering the question, how are followers of Jesus developed? Obviously, we just said some things of how he did it in the life of Jesus. Two very, how many of you like simple? I love simple. Jesus and the kingdom of God is simple. Are we, are, we, are we in agreement there? It is, it, it, it's not necessarily easy to our heart, the truth of the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we have to wrestle with it. Sometimes we fight it, and we, and we put our dukes up and whatever. But it's not complicated. It's very simple. God is very, he's deep, but, he, but he's not. He, his truth is pertinent and available to anybody of any education level. It's actually a heart thing not a mental thing. And the simple thing of what frames your calling and my calling is wraps up in two activities that he's given us to do. The first is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't even think about this. How do you make disciples? First step, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this idea of baptism, why is that so important? It's incredibly important. I think we've lost some of of the, the grandness of this practice. We just want people to come down in an altar call kind of thing at the end of a message and, and, re, and, and be prayed for and receive Jesus, and that's the thing. Did Jesus ever say anything about that? Right? I mean, I know we talk about altar calls sometimes. And, uh, and, and I'm not, like, against them or anything like that, but that's not what he commanded us to do. He commanded us to baptize them. Why is that significant? Here, it is the first step of obedience required of any person who actually places their faith in Jesus. Why is that important? Because obedience is the key of the life they are now going to be living with this Jesus from that point of receiving him. When we receive Jesus, let's not forget we don't just receive him as Savior. He is Lord. He is my King, my Master. Now if we don't understand his heart, that may sound like oppressive and abusive. But if we understand the heart of him who hung on a cross for me, I can gladly give myself to him into a life of obedience, and it starts with baptism. I think, now the Bible doesn't say this, but I think that that's significant because there is no respectable, dignified way 
of being baptized. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if there's some kind of baptism apparel that may make it more socially acceptable. It is radical. Being completely submerged in water and coming back up drenched, it, it just reeks of, I am all in. Like, I'm actually doing this. I can remember Georgia Southern University. I had been baptized as an infant, and, and God bless that. That's, that's cool, but, you know, through like a sprinkling in a Roman Catholic kind of setting. But I put my faith in Jesus at the age of 17 and chose to be baptized the next year in my freshman year of college at the, at the uh, Russell, no, it was the, it doesn't matter. There was this large lake in the middle of the campus, and, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was colored a, a little too blue, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it was, I'm not sure, uh, anyways, uh, some, maybe some antibiotic was, was a good idea after the baptism, but that's where, it was in the middle of the campus around everything, and um, I just remember it was like, okay, <laughs> like I think I've joined one of those groups now, <laughs> you know, I don't know, but the, 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 the idea is I did it in obedience to Jesus, and there's something about that declaration. My life is going under. My old life is being buried in that place. And even the tactile uh, learning, the stimuli, the, the not, it's the same with communion. It's like you're, 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 you're seeing it, and you're feeling it, and you're touching it. And my body was literally going underwater, and it's more meaningful that way. I think to declare that I'm going under and there's this demarcation point now that I am, from this point forward, following Jesus. Albeit maybe not perfectly, but I, my choice and my declaration is that he is my Lord. First step of baptism, uh, excuse me, of making followers of Jesus. How about we see some of that in the near future? In fact, there's a couple in this church. I won't reveal who today, but uh, they say, uh, Paul, we want to get baptized and let's make it a community event, and let's go out to one of the lakes in middle Michigan, and, and let's, let's do a hoorah. And, uh, and I said, I like that idea. Let's make it public, and uh, let's let anyone else who may want to say, actually, you know, maybe I was baptized before, but I'm, I want to make a declaration. Maybe, maybe I'm coming back to the Lord, or maybe I never really put my faith before now, or whatever the case is. Let's, let's make that open to anybody. So second thing, so that's one thing. Second thing is this teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. What I love about this is no one needs to be an erudite scholar. No one needs to be uh, uh, with a, a theological degree, you know, an MDiv next to their name. Teaching them everything I have commanded you. So here, here's the idea. If Jesus has commanded you anything, anything, and you have said yes in your own relationship with him, you then have whatever that was to give away. You're not required to know anything more than what you've been taught by him, but the moment that you say yes in your heart, not just to receiving him, to receiving subsequent things that he does in your life, he, saying yes is essentially this. It is taking the will of heaven, the kingdom of God, and there's a king of that kingdom, his name is Jesus, he has a will, the will of heaven, and it's identifying on earth with what he's saying and becoming an access point of his will coming out of heaven and into the life of a human. In other words, it's his, his authority, his will and his dominion coming into the earth. And the moment that you say yes to his will, you then become a channel of his authority to give it away. 
Am I making sense? So when I was an early follower of Jesus, he began, and I've, I've talked in detail about some of the things, the myriad of things that he was dealing with me, and I can remember going through, I'm not going to go into detail now, but I can remember going through like just difficulty in allowing God to begin to transform certain areas of my life. And, um, and like the temptation being overwhelming and, and just feeling like, oh my gosh, like, wow, this is, this is something. And, 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 and like having to pause every once in a while and say, why am I doing this? Like, and then I remember like, Jesus, I, I, I know this is God's will. So, so going through that difficulty, fast forward the clock, maybe a year or two later, and I can remember a certain circumstance where I was sitting down with a couple of guys, and I was sharing out of what God had done in my heart after I kind of walked through a degree of breakthrough and liberty in that area that I had been struggling with. And, um, and I can just remember as I was sharing, because it was real, it wasn't formula, it wasn't theory, it was my life, and it was real. I remember there was an authority as I began to share it, and this guy, Charles, that I was talking to was like, wow, like, that is so helpful. And I realized, this isn't me making a disciple of this guy. This is, I have said yes in my heart to Jesus and walked through a journey, and on the end of that journey, I have authority because I've yielded to his authority. I have that authority to flow through me to help another guy out. And as far as I know, he today is, is walking in freedom in, of that same, same area. So that's it. Baptize, teach them everything I have commanded. Um, I, I remember when I was, when I was uh, also, I had gone through a year of, after I received the Lord, and uh, as I've said sometimes before, I went through a year where I knew no other Christians at all. No other people who had received Jesus in the way that I had, and, and, and I thought that I might be the only one on the planet who had. Not out of some haughty thing. I, I, I just didn't know. It was all brand new to me. I didn't know. And I remember after my, um, after my summer, excuse me, my Christmas break, freshman year, I still hadn't gotten involved in a church. I didn't know any, and I was Christians, and I was so miserable, feeling so upset about certain areas of my life, feeling like God was dealing with me and just didn't have the confidence in the, in the whatever to make some changes that I felt he was suggesting. And I was sitting Indian style uh, right after re returning back after the Christmas break, and I was sitting in Indian style in my dorm, and I was bouncing a basketball, and, um, and I was chatting with my dorm neighbor, the guy in the dorm next to me, and we're kind of sharing stories about what had happened over the break and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. And I'm talking about all my shenanigans and whatever. And then he starts talking about some things that had changed in his life and how he doesn't do this anymore. And I said, why don't you do this particular thing, whatever it was, anymore? And he said, because I, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm bouncing this basketball and it, this is the first human being I have come into contact with that, like, has spoken something that shows that they, they understand that experience that I had. And I'm bouncing this basketball, and I just remember stopping. Like, the world froze in that moment. And I looked up at him. And, uh, and Walter, I'm sure, like, he, he didn't know, he had no idea what had happened in my heart between me and Jesus. 
I'm sure he felt like he was just speaking this in some major thing of obedience. I don't know. I mean, the look on his face was one of horror. Like, what is he about to say? And I was like, you, you say, say that again? And he says, yeah, I gave my life to, to Jesus. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not doing the thing that we were talking about. I don't, I'm not really involved in that. I feel like it's, it's not, you know, explained like his, his, his position of faith. And uh, that one thing, now Walter didn't have some profound impact on the rest of my life, but that was the key of completely bringing my life into another direction that wound up with me getting knitted into church community that would radically transform my life and set me on a trajectory to what God had purposed for my life. That one thing that Walter did have, he didn't have a whole lot of other stuff, he struggled in his own relationship with God, but that one thing in him opening his mouth to say something, he didn't step into some nine-week program with me to, to share with me the tenets of Hebrews chapter 6. He didn't, you, you know what I'm saying? He didn't go into any, he just opened his mouth and said something that he did have, and because of that, my life has never been the same since. And so every person in this room who has authentically received Jesus and is following him, when you follow him, you're simply receiving ammunition that, you, that will change your life and is to be given away to others. That's a value that we want to build on. Every person is involved in this. That's what I'm wanting to do today, is define and frame what we're here for. We're not here just to sit and look and listen, although we do that on a weekly basis. We do have that kind of thing. We are to equip people who are followers of Jesus to be followers of Jesus and to help inspire others to follow Jesus and to give away to other people everything that we have. Why? That is the way that we heal and bring people through to becoming rebuilders of ruins. It is through the process, the vehicle of discipleship, of, following, of, of making followers of Jesus, giving to people everything that we have. So why do we do it? Isaiah 61. Can I read this? Every person is called to be a rebuilder of ruins. Why do we engage in, in, in lean into giving away and making disciples? Because every person, that means you, right? That means David is called to be a rebuilder of ruins in people's lives. But not only that, every person that David encounters also are called to be rebuilders of ruins. It takes a person to knock people out of their orbit and to give away something spiritual that brings them into that place of becoming who they're called to be. Making sense? Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Listen to this. And they, those who have received the gospel, the influence of the spirit, liberty and freedom, being appointed into their place, discovering their gifts and what God has put inside of them, they shall rebuild the old ruins. 
They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And as we said many times before, this city has physically seen destruction and desolation. Its buildings have become collapsed and condemned in some places and become abandoned. But more than that, people in this city have been abandoned. People have felt completely rejected and have been written off by the rest of the nation and in many cases the rest of the world in this city. And God says, that's the very kind of place that I love to work in. Where everybody else writes them off, I love to call the fisherman who has no religious pedigree and I'm going to have him go to the Holy Land where all the high priests and the regalia exist and I'm going to have him demonstrating my work to show that it's not about man, it's about me and somebody who's actually willing to follow me. And so every single person is called to be a rebuilder of ruins in this city, I believe, God would, would find those who are poor, not just their pocketbook, but the poverty of their spirit, people who are receptive to the truth that we have in us, they are ripe ground to become rebuilders of ruins. And I believe that we'll see change in life and even the, the, in the, the, very, the very look and feel of the city as people step into their place will change. Not only because of this church, but certainly as a result in part from what we're uh, putting our, our hands to. Cool? You become a rebuilder of ruins as you receive from other people who are rebuilders. You hear what I'm saying? If we really want to be a rebuilder of ruins, we need to have our ruins rebuilt. And there are people that God puts around us with provision to help us. And it is actually a, a, a thing of human pride to only be looking at how I can rebuild others and I've got no one actually speaking into my own space. To the degree that I receive what God wants to heal or rebuild in my own life, is uh, how, I, how much I have to give away. And some of what God wants to do in our life does not come only through our personal relationship with Jesus. It comes through the community that surrounds us. So that's one aspect. But the other aspect is the others around us that are called to be rebuilders will only be developed into the followers of Jesus, the, the rebuilders of ruins that they're called to be as we give to them what we have. So it's a giving and receiving. I've got many people in my life through this whole journey that has led to me to this moment right now who ha have and are speaking into my life. And I am way better for it. And I hope we all have that. But I'm also leaning into wanting to give everything that I have to other people. Is anyone who will listen, I'll, I'll, I'll give it away. What I have or what, what I physically have, whatever. So that, so... Every person is called to be rebuilders of ruins, but secondarily and finally is that Jesus' transformational power is spread to nations as we make disciples. And let's consider the gravity of what I just said. His transformational power is actually spread into the nations as we do the simple thing. In other words... That, that comment that Walter made in my dorm room of just saying why his life has changed, not knowing what had happened in my life, he just said it 
just to share something of his faith with another person, not knowing if he was going to be rejected or not, that comment has led to untold things happening through, in and through my life, in Africa, in the States, etc. That one comment changed the trajectory. What comment could possibly we make? That would, that would, that would go into the, to the nations. Why, where do I get this idea that it, that it actually spreads to the nations? Can we read that scripture again, Matthew 28? Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciple of all what? Nations. Baptizing in them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. It's all nations. Make disciples of all nations. So the idea is all, the context of go, because it doesn't just say go and make disciples. It says therefore go and make disciples. And you know what the word therefore means. It's, it's on, the pres- on the premise of what I've just said, therefore. Go. So why do we go? Because all authority in heaven and in earth have been given to Jesus. And when we launch into something, when Walter Bowden opens up his mouth and says to me that he's placed his faith in Jesus, it is helpful for Walter to know in that moment that he's speaking on the behalf, representing the one that has all authority both in heaven and in earth. And if any of you have ever engaged in sharing something of faith with, with another person, it's, you, you know what I mean. It is helpful to know you're speaking on the behalf of the one that doesn't just have authority. He is the highest in authority. But it's, but, but it's not just on that premise. It's also the idea that what you're doing in making disciples is spreading that authority, becoming a channel of that authority being in heaven, coming in you, and then through you to other people. So everything that I have commanded you, if he works something in my life, as I allow that, his word to come into my heart and the adjustments to be made in my heart, I'm yielding to his authority. Does that make sense? And as I yield to that authority, as I said earlier, that authority to the degree that I've yielded to it can flow through me. So that as I'm sharing something with another person, and it's not just theory, it's something real and authentic in my heart and my life, I have a, the, the authority of the one with all authority to go and to give that authority away. And in doing that, a, the will of heaven is coming out of heaven and spreading into the nations of the earth wherever we go. That's the context of what you and I have been called to do. Making sense? So this isn't go and have church services and establish an institution and put your sign up and, and have Michael Crucker hang, hang the sign on Woodward Avenue on, you know, and... and, and and, and have this thing called Border City Church. That's not the idea. It is go and make disciples. That's what we're doing. So here's the, here, and, and, and to wrap it all up, here's, here is what value of the church is that the church is called to be the vehicle through which the kingdom of God comes into the earth. The last time I checked, we don't just need more good intentions in the earth. We don't need just more trying to do the right thing. We need heaven to touch earth with people who are created to be in union with heaven and have lost it to regain and to experience it again. The church is to be the vehicle through which heaven comes. The way that that happens is making disciples. Does that make sense? I hope.
That's the vehicle through which it happens in one way, shape, or form. And the way disciples are made is in the context of church. God, God is the one who created this thing called local church, local church community, everyone growing, everyone have different gifts, coming and finding one another, speaking to one another, sharing what we have, causing one another to grow up, and consequently being able to reach the world around us. And the, and the context of that is the nations of the earth. That is why we plant other churches. That's why we make disciples, is healthy things reproduce after their own kind. You follow? What does this mean to Border City Church? This is why we do Wednesday night. And it happens to be Wednesday night now, but right now, that's, that's where we go deeper, where it's more discipleship-orientated, things that, that are helping us grow and not just being encouraged. That's where we're building community and going deeper. That's one of the ways that we're doing it, in, in addition to other things that we do and things that even just organically happen. Another thing that this means to us, this is why we want relationships of substance and authenticity. Not just for the sake of being authentic or to being substantial. It's for the sake of disciples being made so that the kingdom of God can flow from one person to another. And that happens better in the context of authenticity and, and depth. This, another thing that this means to, to what we're doing is, is why we want to posture as a church, posture ourselves to receive from others. So as an example, we've got Ty Daniel, the, the leader of NCMI team. Do we worship him? No. But when he comes, I think we do well to maybe posture ourselves to receive and, and say, last time I checked, I need help. Speak. Anything that you've got to say that could help, I want to hear it. And we do that with various ones that, that come through and with one another. Always posturing ourselves to receive. I don't care if I may be two times more spiritually mature. If somebody's got something that is useful to me, I want to hear it. And not be, well, I'm the pastor around here. <laughs> they need to listen to me. No, man, I want to, like, receive from the ones that God puts around me. I hope you do, too. But we also, another thing that this means to Border City Church is posture ourselves to give. So what does that mean? We serve. We take where necessary or where, where possible or where it is appropriate, take people under our wing and, and, and give to them or give ev- be in a posture of giving everything that we have to help anyone else out in so much that it would help. Be, live out of that posture. And then finally, we, what does this mean to Border City Church? We partner with and receive from translocal team. So if it's to the nations, we're not going to be able to accomplish that on our own, we, but we do have relationships that we partner with. And the, uh, uh, for us, the NCMI translocal team, other men and women who God has, has brought us into relationship with, we are a part of something way bigger. And I hope in the days to come, especially when Tyron Daniel comes, you can get a glimpse of what, because all you see every week is like this, you know, little group that we, we meet with. What you don't know is that we are connected to something that is vast and all over the planet. And other people are aware of what is happening here in this church in Detroit that you don't even know about. There's a church that contacted me this week, for example, in uh, the coast of South Africa wanting to know how can they spend a, a, a night this week praying for you. And that's like one of probably 10 or 12 churches who have done that for this church. 
carrying this church, aware of this church, we are connected to thousands and thousands of people around the globe, hundreds of churches on, I think, like a hundred different nations. So we, we have partnerships that, w that uh, we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves to accomplish together something. So it's not about us, it's about Jesus. We just get to play a role in, in the army that he's putting together. Cool?